Tim, take your Bibles and turn to Acts 9. How many of you enjoyed the snow? Nobody, eh? I wish Brother Gerald Friesen was here so he could enjoy it for me. And we got such a narrow, a narrow swath of snow. I'm not sure if many of you know or not, but uh, I talked to, on Monday, I talked to Pastor Isaac Bucat in Red Deer, and I said, hey, how much snow did you get? He said, well, about an inch. And my, word, my first words to him was, I hate you. And I talked to Brother Jeff Friesen after that in Airdrie. I talked to him about the college tour group. And I said, how much snow did you get? About an inch or two. I said, I hate you. I pretty much hate everybody in Alberta. And I talked to Dusty. Uh, Dusty's in Bonneville. And uh, Dusty said on Monday they had to cancel the, the vintage sled race they were going to do because there wasn't enough snow because they only got an inch or two of snow. So God really blessed us overly. Amen. Uh, Acts chapter number 9, and we're going to look at uh, verses 36 through 43, and we're going to look at Dorcas. Uh, how many of you think Rebecca should name their baby Dorcas? There we go. There we go. Brother Darren, uh, you, you made the motion a few weeks ago already, and uh, we're going to look at Dorcas. Uh, how many have ever met a Dorcas? Uh, a real one? Okay, not just a Dorcas. I've met some Dorcases, but I've never met one really named Dorcas. <laughs> but uh, we're going to look at Dorcas tonight, and a lady that was full of good works. And of course, before we begin reading our, scrap, our scripture tonight, we know that uh, good works are not the way to heaven. Uh, that's not uh, the way we get uh, forgiven. It's not the way we earn salvation. We don't earn it because it's already been paid for. Uh, it's by grace through faith. But the same passage in Ephesians that reminds us that for, it's by grace through faith, uh, the scripture doesn't stop there. It goes on to say we were created unto good works. And Dorcas was a lady who was full of good works. Look at verse 36. It says, Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by an interpretation is called Dorcas. Let me stop here just for a minute. If your name was Tabitha and they wanted to interpret your name as Dorcas, how many of you just say, just call me Tabitha? That's, that's what I would do. Uh, called Dorcas. And this woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died. And when they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber. And forasmuch as Lydda was nigh to Joppa, the disciples had heard that Peter was there, and they sent unto him two men, desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. Then Peter arose and went with them, and he was come. They brought him into the upper chamber, and all the widows stood by him weeping. And I love this, and showing him the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed, and turning him to the body, said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and lifted her up, and when he had called the saints, and widows presented her alive. And it was known throughout old Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And it came to pass that he tarried many days in Joppa with one Simon, a tanner. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for the testimony of this dear lady. Lord, I pray you'd help us tonight. Lord, to gain and glean some truth, Lord, that we can use and apply in our lives. Lord, what a powerful testimony this woman had. 
Lord, may we realize the importance of our testimony. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity we have to open your word tonight. Your Holy Spirit of God, would you lead us and guide us in all truth? God, help me, Lord, to teach you right your truth this evening. Bless us now in your precious name we pray. Amen. We see some great lessons tonight here in this passage. We're going to look at them in just a moment. We know that Dorcas lived at Joppa, or sometimes called Jaffa. Uh, it was a seaport, uh, sometimes called uh, the Bride of the Sea. It's, it's a, one of the most important seaports in the area on the Mediterranean. Uh, it was, at that time, the principal seaport uh, for Israel uh, up, the, up the coast just a ways. Uh, it was there where Jonah where Jonah would go to find a ship going to Tarshish. Uh, that's where he would go to try to flee from God. Uh, we, we see in Acts chapter 10, verse 5 through 8, and, and when he declared all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. And Lamar, they went in their journey. They drew nigh to the house of the city. Peter went up to the house, stopped to pray about the sixth hour. It was in that same city where Peter was praying, uh, in that seaport town where Peter was praying on the rooftop, and God gave him a vision of all the unclean beasts coming down, and God told Peter, Peter, arise and eat. And he preparing him to go and share the gospel with, uh, of course, uh, a man who was not a Jew, which was a difficult thing, Cornelius, uh, for Peter to share Christ with, and God worked to get Peter's direction, his attention, where it ought to be, the same town. Uh, there was, uh, no doubt, a, a group of believers in Joppa, uh, there was a church, uh, a body of believers in the town of Joppa. Uh, we know because there was this woman, uh, Dorcas. Uh, we know that there were widows that she ministered to. Uh, we know that there were believers that went to go find Peter. Uh, we know there was a group of believers there. Peter had already been there. Uh, Peter had been there before he had traveled to Lydda. Uh, it was a place where the gospel had been preached. Uh, it's even possible, and, and we don't know this, but it, I believe very quite possible that it was at Dorcas's home uh, where this body of believers met. It may have been that upper room where they laid her body might have been their meeting place. Uh, we don't know for sure, but I, it would make sense that that may be the case. Uh, it was the custom uh, there, if you turn to Acts 12, uh, before we get to a few points here, Acts chapter 12 and verse 12. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. Uh, we see that there were those gathered in the home praying. They, they, they didn't meet in buildings. Uh, at this point, they didn't have facilities uh, where they gathered. Most of the time, they were meeting in homes. And, of course, as their meetings grew, they had to get more creative with where they met. Uh, but we know that there were must have been many people that had many needs. Uh, the Bible tells us here in this passage, if we look in verse 36, back in chapter 9, in verse 36 it says, that Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. 
Now, that word alms deeds, that, that's not a word that, how many of you use that word this week in conversation at Tim Hortons? Hey, did you do any alms deeds this week? Brother Bonnie, you probably didn't talk about that on the garbage dump this week. Never had that conversation when you were killing those critters this week, Will. Did you talk about alms deeds? And he's there shooting the roaches with a spray. They didn't talk back to him. Now, that word alms deeds, it literally means that this woman had helped the poor. It means that she went about uh, looking for the needy and, and helping those. Alms deeds were, were deeds done to the, the poor, to poor folks. Obviously, we know from the testimony after she died, we know that many of those were probably widows. Uh, she, she made clothing for them. She sewed for them. Uh, but I believe it's more than that. I believe we could, uh, could suggest, at least, that she probably helped to feed the hungry. I believe we could suggest that she helped to meet other physical needs. Uh, but God says she was full of good works and the alms deeds that she did. In Acts chapter 4, in verse 33, I'll read a verse for you very quickly before we get into a few points. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And this phrase I love, and it's repeated in, in Acts, and great grace. Great grace was upon them all. I believe we learned that great grace was upon Dorcas. Uh, some things about this passage. Number one, being a disciple is more than being a Christian. Don't miss that statement. Point number one, being a disciple is more than being a Christian. Uh, we see here, it says of her in that verse, uh, there was a disciple named Tabitha. She's described as a disciple. Of course, you can't be a disciple of Jesus Christ without being a believer, without being a Christian. It applies to... Uh, all those who follow the Lord, but there's more significance to that word disciple, more than just one who followed Christ in believing. Uh, it was a, a learner, uh, not just one who comes as a lost sinner accepting salvation. And praise God for anyone who comes under conviction of the Holy Spirit and their need of a Savior, and they call on the Lord like that uh, thief on the cross who said, Lord, remember me when thou comest in that paradise. Uh, praise God, salvation is free. Praise God, it is by grace through faith. But praise God for those who, as believers, those who have called on the Lord Jesus Christ, have a desire to be a follower, a learner, uh, taking the next step of faith, and not just trusting for salvation, uh, but who accepts his discipline, his, acknowledges his authority, submits to his rules. When I was in Bible college, every year we had a, a rule book. And as part of the registration for Bible college, we had to read the rule book. The last page of the rule book had, was a page, a perforated page, and it said, I have read and agreed to abide by the rules in this rule book. And we had to sign it and date it, and we give that piece of paper, turn it in, and that way if at any time throughout the year we broke a rule in that rule book, uh, they could bring the paper out and say, hey, it says right here, you, you read this rule book. <laughs> uh, you agreed to follow the rules. Uh, you broke the rule. I wish I could tell you that there were no rules in that rule book that 
had to be written because of me, but I would be lying to you. Uh, I remember I had a roommate cut my hair one time, and I thought he could cut hair. My wife will tell you that uh, he could not cut hair. The very first time my wife saw me was a result after I had been cut by this guy. He tried to give me a real high and tight cut, like a, kind of like a marine cut. And he kept going higher and higher and higher, and he kept messing it up and messing it up and messing it up. Brother Ahmad, it was worse than your hair, way worse than your hair. If you've never seen the pictures of Brother Ahmad's COVID hair, I got them somewhere up for 20 bucks. I'll show you after the service. It was worse than your hair. And I, he, he, it was so bad, and he was trying to cut it so short, he was using a Bic, trying to straighten it out. When he was finally done, I only had, no, I had hair down here then. I only had a hair right here on top of my head, just a pat, almost like a mohawk, but it was just fuzz. The rest of my hair was shaved smooth as glass. I looked like Kojak with a Mr. T that was shaved off. It looked ridiculous. You ask my wife, the fact that she dated me, I don't understand. She must have been desperate, that's all I can figure. But it wasn't what I wanted. And as the Lord would provincially plan it, the day that my hair got cut that way in chapel, they said, uh, okay, there's a, a hair check. And we'd have to, as they went out, we left the chapel, and we had a certain way we had to have our hair cut. And as we left the chapel, there were men staff members there that were like, yep, you're good, you're good, you're good. And one of the men looked at me and said, um, you, need to, you need to go see Brother Highfield. Brother Highfield was the guy who dealt with all the, the demerits and he and I became very close friends, me and Brother Highfield, and uh, we were definitely on first-name basis. And uh, as I went down to his office, I walked in, Brother Highfield looked at me, and he said, Brian, what in the world were you thinking? And I said, Brother Highfield, I said, my roommate did this. I, he, I said, you know me. I don't want to look like an idiot. I already look enough like an idiot. I didn't do this on purpose. And he looked at me, and he said, yeah, it looks stupid. I said, I agree with you. And he said, but... He said, there's no rule in the handbook that says you can't cut your hair like that. He said, so I don't recommend ever doing it again because you look stupid. He said, but there's no rule about it. Now, the very next school year, there was a rule in the handbook. You couldn't cut your hair like I have my hair. I had to sign. I agree with it. I, I won't do that again. My wife was very glad when I signed that year that I would never do that again. Uh, I... I, I set myself under the standards and the rules of the institution where I went to college. I had to agree to those. As a Christian, to really be a disciple of Jesus Christ, we have to place ourselves under his rule and authority. Amen. It's not a church pushing us. It's not uh, someone else, hey, you have to do this. It's us saying, Lord, I ascribe to what you want. I want to obey you. I want to follow your plan for my life. And understand, this woman, Dorcas, was a, was a disciple. She was one who had submitted herself to God's will and God's purpose and God's word. Uh, she was following the example of Christ. Uh, we see that in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. Uh, she was accepting the authority of Christ. In Luke chapter 10, we see a reminder of that. We won't turn there tonight. And she was submitted to the lordship of Christ. By the way, we don't make Christ Lord. But we are to submit to him as our Lord. And in the matter of discipleship, it's a matter of submitting. It's a matter of accepting. It's a matter of following. And she was a disciple. Christian, we need to be not just believers, but followers of Christ 
disciples of Christ. Number two, verse 36, and this is the truth we see in the book of James, and, and we see it played out here in the book of Acts. Number two, faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. She was not just a woman that said she had faith. She was a woman who the faith did something in her. It came forth. Uh, it showed forth in her life. Now, it was not her works that earned her or got her or kept her salvation, but it was her uh, true salvation that came out visibly and was seen with those works. The Bible says that she, was, uh, she wasn't a, always talking, she was always doing. Verse 39, Peter arose and went with them, and when he came, they brought him to the upper chamber, and the widows stood by him weeping, and the Bible says, as soon as he came in and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with him. As soon as Peter got there, they said, hey, they weren't thinking Peter was going to raise her from the dead. They thought Peter was coming just to, uh, to pay homage to a, a fellow disciple, one that had followed Christ. And, and they said, hey, let, let, let us tell you about her. You, you didn't know her. So, so Peter, she, she made this for me. She, she took care of me. She helped us. Uh, she had a life that showed forth the love of Christ, and they wanted Peter to see it. Christian, the world needs to see your faith. The world needs to see it. I was hired by uh, a man years ago to collect rent for some rental properties in Gary, Indiana. Anybody ever been to Gary, Indiana? It's not a nice place. John, did I, I didn't take you to Gary. Did I take you to Gary? I should have dropped you off in Gary. That would have been fun. But Gary's not a nice place. And I went into some of the worst parts of Gary, Indiana to collect rent. Now, most people don't go into Gary, Indiana unless they're packing a gun. Uh, but I didn't have a gun. But the, the first time I went to collect rent, I wasn't thinking. I just I put on a pair of jeans, and I grabbed a T-shirt, put it, it was summertime, and I had a, a printed T-shirt and a pair of jeans and a pair of runners on and a baseball cap. And I didn't think about what I put on. What I had on was a green T-shirt and big letters right across the chest. And my chest was a little bigger back then, a little not quite as jello-y as it is now. Uh, it said, all it said in white letters was Marshall. I had a green hat on. said Marshall. Now, that was from Marshall University in Huntington, West Virginia. Uh, I was a Marshall University football fan, the thundering herd. But when I got to Gary, Indiana, and I, people saw me with Marshall across my chest, as I walked down the street, I heard people, Hey, it's the Marshall! The U.S. Marshall! People were jumping out of windows. They were running, and I lie not, hand on the body, they were running down alleys, People were terrified. I just, I'm just walking down the street. I mean, I, they can't see a gun. I wasn't carrying a gun. Uh, but when they saw Marshall on my shirt, they thought U.S. Marshall. And in that community where I was, it was very high crime rate. Uh, most people there were involved in some sort of crime in some way or the other. People were terrified. Man, I could do anything I wanted in Gary, Indiana when I was wearing that shirt. You know what I wore every time I went to collect rent? Same shirt. Same hat. 
I'd walk like I owned that town. As I walked down the street, people would run away from me. They, they were sure that I was packing heat. They were certain that I, you know, that I was a, a U.S. Marshal and that I had probably 16 guns on me. And uh, I, I, I made sure they could read. You see what it says? It's Marshal. I made it very, I didn't wear a coat and covered up wintertime. I wore a t-shirt, nothing else that said Marshall. I wanted them to see. I wanted them to be terrified of me so I didn't have to be terrified of them. God wants the world to see your faith. God doesn't want us to hide it. He wants our faith to be visible, not dead faith, but faith is visible to a lost world. Dorcas had a faith uh, that was always doing uh, good deeds, the Bible says. She was full of good works. As I mentioned, Ephesians 2.10, for we are created unto good works. Now, we can get so out of balance. There are those that get out of balance doctrinally and say, oh, you got to do good works to get to heaven. And that's, that's your salvation. But can I tell you, it's just as wrong on this side to say, no, it's salvation by grace through faith, and, and God doesn't care how we live. He doesn't care. We can do whatever we want. By the way, when it comes to salvation, the only thing that my salvation is based on is grace through faith. But God does care what you do. God created you on purpose. When I go out in the morning to start my car, my little Festiva, and I turn the key, I expect it to start. I don't expect it to run perfectly because it's an old piece of junk, but I expect it to start. I expect when I turn the wheel to the right, the tires are going to go to the right. I, I, that's what its purpose is. God says your purpose, my purpose as a believer, we need to get that balance of understanding salvation is by grace through faith, but God does want us to live out our faith to show a lost world a live faith. And we see here that this woman, Dorcas, was a woman who showed forth her faith. James 2, uh, verses 14 through 26 is a wonderful passage. If you want to look at it later, uh, we don't have time to look there. 1 Timothy 1.15, Titus 3.8. Number three, and I've got to hurry. Sudden death, number three, sudden death can fall upon any of us. You know, we, we get the idea that we're going to live forever, and I am going to live forever. Uh, but high, high likelihood that I'm going to die first before I live forever unless the Lord returns soon. But death can come at any time. This week, we've been praying for Josiah and their family, and when I got the message on Monday that he had passed, I, I was expecting it would come. I wasn't expecting it would come Monday, but I was expecting it would come soon. But sometimes you get the word, and it's not expected. I don't think people were expecting Dorcas was going to die. I think it just it was a sudden thing. Christian, we need to realize that we don't know how long we have. We don't know how much life we have to spend. All we know is that we can spend it as long as we're here for him. We need to realize that death can come. Verse 37, it came to pass in those days she was sick and she died. Death came. Bible doesn't say how old she was. Well, we, we don't know if she'd been sick a long time. We don't know if it was something that you got sick and that was a normal thing to die from, or we just know she died. She was gone. It, it was a, a pretty sudden blow. Now, as we think about that letter A, and I've got to hurry here, uh, question, you know, had she sinned? You know, was it the uh, letter A, was it the chastening that came upon her from the Lord? 
I don't believe so. It could have been. We don't know that. Uh, so often we want to say, well, why did this happen? That's not our job. That's not our purpose. There's no indication of that. But we know that the Lord, let her be as we think about this, permitted it for some wise and loving purpose. It was God's purpose to allow this lady Dorcas to pass for God's glory. Romans 8, 28, all, all things work together for good, even the death of his saints. All things. Uh, an accident, sickness, death. God knows what he's doing. We can trust him. Uh, let her see just a thought here. While we're in our physical bodies, and you're in your physical body tonight, I think, while we're in our physical bodies, we must walk by faith. We have to trust God. And God is gracious in dealing with us. Uh, he's wise. He works out his plans in the lives of his children. Uh, sickness, suffering, trials, they're channels of grace. Channels of grace. Uh, channels of God's power and glory. When John Calvin lay a dying, and Mr. Calvin had uh, obviously some, some wrong doctrine, but when Mr. Calvin was dying, he said, the Lord is bruising me, but I am abundantly satisfied since it is from his hand. That's a powerful statement right there. We can trust him. Number four. Number four tonight. There is room for all in the service of God. There's room for all in the service of God. How, how many of you were not super athletic when you were growing up? I, I wasn't always the svelte figure of, you know, giant athleticism you see, Brother Jeff. No, I, 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 when I was younger, I, I wasn't much of an athlete. I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty much an athlete now, a competitive eater. But I hated, when I was a kid, hated baseball, hated it hated it with a passion. I still hate it. And I, man, I, I think if someone made me sit down and watch baseball, I'd, I'd end it all by the cram. I'd jump out the window. Uh, I hate playing baseball. I hate watching baseball. And mainly because I stink at it. And when we would play baseball as a kid, they'd just keep putting me at the back of the line. Man, I don't want to hit. I just, I just kept going to the back of the line. I didn't, want to be, I didn't want to be on the lineup. I, man, when it came time to get in the outfield, man, put me somewhere where no one's going to hit the ball. I don't want to play. I don't want to be a part of it. And I'm sure many people that got stuck with me on their team wished I wasn't on their team. They said, man, just give them to them. We don't want them. But I praise God that there's room for all of us in God's service. Now, this woman here that we're looking at tonight was different than Peter. She wasn't a preacher, but praise God, there was room for her to love and care for the widows. And man, what an impact she had. What an impact this woman had for Christ. Letter A, Dorcas used her needle for the glory of God. Don't miss that. She used her needle. She sewed for the glory of God. It was, a, it was small, but acceptable, and God used it. Uh, verse 39, we see that no work is too small for him. Christian, don't let the devil convince you that what you can do for the Lord doesn't matter. Letter B, we see that some women attended to her in verse 37. 
We don't know who they were. It says that uh, when it came to pass in those days, she was sick and died. And when they had washed her and laid her in an upper chamber, there were some women that attended to her. Uh, we don't know who those ladies were, but they were used in the service of God. There were two men, let her see. Two men went to fetch Peter. We don't know who they were. They were God's errand boys. They went to find Peter. We don't know their names, but had they not gone, Peter wouldn't have come. We just keep being reminded in this passage of, of these unknown people that God used. That God used in important ways. I've changed the oil in a car before and changed oil in a transmission before. And those of you that have ever changed oil in a transmission, transmission fluid or you know, sometimes you go to change the transmission fluid and the fluid comes out and it's not red, it's black. And there's like metal grit. And that's not good. And you know what I've done every time that's happened? I've taken the fluid, I've put it back in the transmission. All the grit, all the metal. You know why? Because that, little, that metal was the only thing keeping the friction core in that transmission. If I cleaned it all out, most likely the transmission wasn't going to work. Those little bits of metal might have been the only thing keeping things together. Can I tell you that every little part that we play, God has a purpose for, and God uses it. We see these two that went to get Peter. Then Peter came. Peter was a part, but Peter was not the only part. The widows, imagine those widows that stopped Peter and said, hey, let us tell you about her. Hey, you don't know Dorcas. We want you to know who she was. We want you to know what she did for us. We want you to know about her. God even used those widows. You know, plenty of opportunities for Christ. Amazing opportunities for service. It's not that there's no opportunities. The problem normally is there's opportunities that nobody wants to take. There's opportunities and nobody wants to fill them. Uh, there's positions. It'd be like a, a baseball field. I I know I don't like baseball, but, you know, on a baseball diamond, you know, you got to have a first baseman. you got to have a second baseman, a third baseman. Uh, you you got to have a pitcher. you got to have uh, people in the outfield. They have to be there. You know, if the, the pitcher, you know, throws the ball and the, the batter and the other team hits the ball and the pitcher turns around and there's nobody on first base, nobody on second base, nobody on third base. Pretty much no matter where he hits the ball, that runner is going to get a run around the bases because there wasn't people in their place. And we need to be in our place. And there's so many opportunities for us in that place. Uh, number five, and I want, to, I want to look here in verse 40 through 43 as we close out tonight. Point number five, the power of God. The power of God is still operating today. Verse 40 but Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed and turning him to the body said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and lifted her up and when he called the saints and widows, presented her alive. And it was known throughout all of Joppa and many believed in the Lord. And it came to pass that he had tarried many days in Joppa with one Simon a Tanner. How does God's power operate? And is it, is it still operating today? It is. Letter A, just a couple of thoughts here tonight as we close. It operates in the power of prayer. 
the power of prayer. Notice in verse 40, and by the way, God hasn't changed. Peter put him out, and he knelt down, and you'll notice what Peter did. He prayed. It wasn't Peter's power. It wasn't some special thing that Peter had. Peter said, Lord, I need you to do something here. God still operates in the power of prayer. He still operates in the power of prayer. There's a reason we pray. Because that's what opens the door for God's operation of power. The little Ford Festiva I drive, the first time I, I drove it home, I went to back up and I put it in reverse and I pressed the gas and I thought the transmission was bad. And I thought, oh no, it doesn't work in reverse. I'll never find a transmission. I now have a paperweight. And then I realized that car, the way the, the gate is on the shifter, that if you go from park to reverse, it's very obvious it's in reverse and it works. And then you go to drive and it works fine. But when you go from drive back up to reverse, you've got to go past reverse or you've got to go to park and then back down or it looks like you're in gear, but you're not in gear. And you have to get it in gear or it's not going to move. Prayer is how we get in gear the power of God. And we see it's by prayer, not only by the power of prayer, but also in verse 40 and 41, the power of faith. The power of faith, let her be. The power of faith. Peter prayed. And can I tell you that when Peter said, Tabitha, arise, I think he was expecting her to rise up. I don't think Peter saw this. You know, I don't, I'll just say these magic words, maybe. Tabitha, rise. See if it, whoa, she got up. No, I think when, she, when, when Peter prayed and he said, Tabitha, arise, he believed God was going to raise her up. It was faith. The power of God operates uh, in the power of prayer and in the power of faith. We can believe what God says. We can believe his word. And lastly, I want you to notice this, and this is a wonderful passage. I love this in verse 42. It says, and it was known throughout all Joppa. Can I tell you the greatest work? The greatest power of God that took place in this passage was not the raising of Tabitha. It was not the raising of this woman. It was verse 42. And it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. We see the power of salvation. The loss that came to Christ... Those who were dead, as Ephesians says, in their trespasses and sin, passed from death unto life. They're born again. As God worked by his power. And by the way, God's power is still available today. The gospel still works. I shared with Brother Maud. I want to read a, a quick message to you to share with the church. I meant to. Bear with me just a moment. Let me find it. A week ago, I got a message from Brother Johnston, Brian Johnston in Toronto, Richmond Hill area. And he said, last night we received a text message from our neighbors, the Persians, God help them, saying they would like to convert to Christianity. Please pray. 
that was, I believe it was on, uh, on Friday, this last Friday, I got this message. Our Persian, former Muslim neighbors, a lady named Zahra and her parents spent the afternoon in our home and got saved. Amen. And can I tell you that miracle that took place in Toronto on Friday takes, can take place in every city every day of the week because the power of God has not failed. God's still in the saving business. God's still in the soul-saving business. And praise God for the testimony of Dorcas. And by her testimony and her raising up, God brought many to himself. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you, Lord, for the wonderful picture of what a Christian ought to be, a disciple, a follower, a learner of you. Lord, how our faith is to be alive and visible, how we're to affect others and make a difference in our community and our world. Lord, I thank you for the ministry of Dorcas. I thank you for how she reached out and touched the lives of others. I thank you for the care and concern that those had for her because of her touching their lives. And Lord, I can't help but think of the opportunities that we miss, Lord, to touch the lives of others. Lord, help us to realize that there's room for all of us in your service. And Lord, you want us to use every aspect of our life. Lord, you use Dorcas's needle. God, you can use us. You can use every aspect of our life. Lord, I pray we'd be willing to be used. God, help us to realize the importance of prayer, the importance of faith. And Lord, may we realize the power of salvation. And Lord, how wonderful. Lord, bless us now. Dismiss us with your grace. Lord, I pray you'd bless us as we seek to live forth our faith and show forth a living faith in our world. In your precious name we pray tonight. Amen.